0: Today's show is made possible by Fittery. You've probably purchased some dress and casual shirts online before. And sadly, you've probably had to return many of those items because they just didn't fit. Now, you do realize, of course, that billions are spent returning all of these poorly fitting clothes, right? Well, the madness can stop. The hassle of having to return all of this stuff can stop. Well, this is where Fittery comes in. They've devised a process by which you can almost guarantee that the dress and casual shirts you buy online will fit. And from brand names you'll recognize. Brooks Brothers, J. Crew, Land's End, Ralph Lauren, to name just a few. And they're adding more brands every day. Now, I myself use Fittery, and setting up my account was very simple and took almost zero time. Just go to fittery.com slash intrepid. Complete the quick size tool and you'll soon be ordering dress and casual shirts that actually fit. Again, that's fittery.com slash intrepid. You'll love fittery and you'll actually enjoy and look forward to ordering clothes online again. All right, let's do this. We're going live in five. Four,
1: three. Oh my, just so many business podcasts out there. How can I possibly know where to begin? Here at Intrepid Business, we are about stripping away all of the usual boring fluff and instead focus on showcasing real people doing real business, achieving amazing things. The ones truly changing the world The instigators making a dent. The people changing how we do sales and marketing. Leading innovation. The people redefining leadership. But who are these people? Why do they do what they do? How do they do what they do? Find out on Intrepid Business. And now, here are your hosts.
0: Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Business. I am your host, Todd Schnick. Recent guest on my show recommended that I chat with today's guest and uh, I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. Always am thrilled to talk to an entrepreneur who's out there doing it and building an organization, building a business. Always exciting to have those chats. Even more thrilling for me it's on a subject And their target market is of a a very special place in my heart, being that I am the owner of two crazy dogs. So uh, today's guest serves that very important market. So I'm very much looking forward to this conversation. I'm joined this morning by Emily Lagasse. She is the founder and CEO of FedWell Pet Foods. Emily, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Well, it's good to have you. Thanks for carving out some time to join me. I know you're very busy building this cool company, so appreciate you stopping by. Before we get into a conversation around FedWell, take a few quick seconds to inform the audience a little about you and your background.
2: Sure. So my background with this business really started when I was in the Peace Corps. I was a volunteer in West Africa, and while I was there, I got a dog, and named him Fenway, and brought him back to Boston at the end of my service. And when we got back to America, he got really sick on the traditional pet foods here. And after trying everything in the market and everything that the vets recommended, eventually I took classes. I learned how to cook for him and he completely improved on my well-balanced meals that I was making for him at home. And after seeing that improvement, I became really passionate about bringing that same level of quality of food to dogs everywhere. So it took a lot of time and effort, but after you know, a year of researching the market and understanding how to actually get products made, I was able to come out with my first product, which is an oven-baked lamb kibble. So it's a dry food, but it's entirely based on my home-cooked recipes. So if you look at the label, it's all real meats, fruits, and vegetables.
0: Yeah, That sounds great. First important question, since you are Boston area based, is every dog in that area named Fenway?
2: We have a lot of Fenways. (laughs) We have a lot of Bradys. uh, Lots of sports, sports named dogs running around here. Yeah, Yeah,
0: no, I figured I figured as such. So that's cool. Well, look, I guess the first question I want to ask is, it's a common problem for all of us not just canines but but for humans too i mean we're eating bad food Mm -hmm. we're putting this miserable processed junk into our systems and 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 it's causing a lot of our health i mean it was fascinating to me when i first understood the story behind fedwell that that when your dog came back to america and ate the traditional dog food offering and suddenly he became sick and and I'm, I live in Chicago. We're in a high-rise. We have a mutually shared dog park that's at the base of our building where all the tenants walk their dogs. And, and excuse, the audience, the, the too much information about what I'm about to share, but it proves my point. Seeing where other dogs are putting out there in the world, if you catch my meeting, could, they're not eating well either. And, and how are we not recognizing the value and the importance of putting good food not only in ourselves – but certainly in our animals, which, frankly, I care more about my dog than I do my own personal health. Are you sensing the market finally coming to grips with this? Or is we still have a battle to fight to get people to, to recognize the importance of, of better food?
2: Well, I think we're seeing a shift in our own Food and diet and the products that are offered to us and the education around, around those. And I think that shift is happening industry-wide for all types of food and that's trickling down into what our dogs eat. And for our dogs, you could even make the argument that their diet is more important because typically a dog might only eat the food that it's fed for their meals, and that might be the only nutrition that they get. So it's really important that they – get all of the vitamins, nutrients that they need and are able to absorb it really well for a high-functioning life. And I, I think people are becoming more in touch with that and paying better attention.
0: Well, that's a good thing. I mean, I think we have a lot of work to do on that front, but but that's uh, one of the reasons I have you on this show is to begin to help spread that message uh, far and beyond where both of us, so that we can continue to tell that story and, and spread it. So Walker, us through, now... Deciding to make food for your for your dog healthy, good food, and then turning it into a business is is quite a different matter. So walk us through kind of the process of how you actually got this thing off the ground and, and what have been some of the big challenges you've faced in doing so.
2: Yeah, well, I would say my biggest challenge has always been manufacturing, but and even since day one. So when I first, you know, realized this might be a business idea, that there could be a need, I initially before I even did anything, I started talking to a lot of people. So I was talking to people at dog parks. I was talking to employees and pet stores to try to understand what people wanted, what was lacking and what they were currently doing. Did they understand what they were feeding and and what was going into it and how it was made? And through those conversations, I discovered that what people really wanted was a home-cooked diet, like I was feeding my dog, but they wanted it delivered in a convenient sort of way, so more aligned with what they were currently buying, and most people are buying dried, extruded food. And so my first step then was to figure out how I could actually scale up my home-cooked recipes to a convenient format without losing a lot of that nutrition in any sort of processing. And what I uncovered was I would be able to retain the majority of my nutrients by baking the food rather than extruding it, therefore meaning that I could have this label that looked exactly like what I was making for my dog at home without adding anything synthetic. And finding a manufacturer to make that food has been incredibly challenging since I first started this. There aren't a lot of manufacturers that make that type of food. And I think as any business starting out that makes a product will tell you, it's really hard to get a manufacturer to buy into a new business and one that doesn't have a ton of money surrounding it and that's that's always been a challenge for me but I'm fortunate now to have a manufacturer who is completely on board, is very supportive. Their whole team enjoys innovating with me on new products. So I'm really fortunate to have a great relationship with that now, but that's always been a challenge.
0: Well, that's, and that's the, in my view, that's been probably the biggest obstacle you've had to overcome. And everybody has a great idea, but then they don't ever take the step and do the work and do the research and do the testing to actually identify that manufacturer. I mean, you just don't walk down the street and walk into a place that it says, it advertises, yeah, we can manufacture dog food if you want us to. No, you have to find that guy. I mean, I'd love to know how that happened and how you interviewed these guys and what kind of systems and processes they had to they had to manage, they, no pun intended, they had to manufacture to enable to produce this for you. I mean, this is not something that you can just mass produce in your own kitchen, package it up and ship it out. I mean, you, you actually have to have a real manufacturer producing this to, to get to the scale that you ultimately want to go to. I mean, what's to someone who's considering starting a business that is going to have a product that will need to be manufactured i mean how, save them a few heartache i mean how did you actually begin to identify and recruit
2: yeah it's it's difficult it's you know and it's it's not as simple as googling you know dog food manufacturers right. um, in fact you know i would say the best piece of advice i could give is to keep a running spreadsheet and never stop connecting with the folks on that spreadsheet who could potentially make your product. So the way I built my spreadsheet of potential manufacturers was, you know, of course, doing some Google searching, but I would also go to the store and find products that were made in the in the baking process and the way that I wanted to get my food made. I would call those companies, ask them if they could tell me who manufactured for them. And a lot of times they wouldn't, but they could give me a state. And so then I would call that state's chamber of commerce and say, is there someone in your state who makes dog food? I would call dog food packaging companies and ask them if they knew of any companies that bake dog food. I would start scouring the list for trade shows to see who was, you know, having booths at these shows that could possibly help me. So it's a lot of detective work. And I think the more organized you can be about it, the better. Because once you build this list, what you'll find is, you know, in my case, at least it was like 95% of those companies couldn't help me at the time, either because the run that I wanted to do was too small, they couldn't make my specific product with the ingredients that I wanted to make, they couldn't do the packaging that I needed. So it's, you know, all these combination of things really matter when you're finding a manufacturer. And then on top of that, They have to really want to work with you and take a chance on a a new company. So there's a lot of relationship building and I would say my biggest piece of advice is to build that spreadsheet, keep really diligent notes, work on building relationships with these companies even if they can't help you at that time because they may eventually add the capability that you need, which is exactly what happened with my current manufacturer. They, When I first connected with them in 2013, 2014, they weren't able to help me. And by the time we connected in 2015, they were able to help me and they knew who I was and they knew that I had been working at this for several years and were excited to get involved.
0: We're gonna talk a little bit later in the second half about how you plan to scale this, but with regards to the manufacturing team that you've, that you've built, when, when are they able to grow with you? I mean, as long as you continue to grow this, and I don't know how big you plan on growing this, but I'm, I'm assuming you, you intend to continue to scale this and grow this. Are, are, is the current manufacturer going to be able to grow with you, or are you going to need to flesh out and build out more of a team there?
2: Yeah, they, they have all the capabilities to continue to grow with me. In fact, they've just added a new oven onto their baking line. They can you know, they're not even half at the capacity that they could be because they can run their line 24-7. So they do have the capacity to grow with me, which is fantastic. But, you know, with that said, you never know what could happen. You know, there could be an earthquake and their plant could shut, you know, for a year or more. So I think even in, in that case, it's always important for me to continue to talk with other manufacturers and, and keep those relationships because you just, there are no guarantees.
0: Right. All right, now that's very, very cool. All right, Emily Lagasse and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back.
1: This episode is brought to you by the new international best selling book, Leadership Rigor. This groundbreaking book will turn everything you think you know about leadership upside down. Leadership Rigor explores how to achieve breakthrough performance and productivity through leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. Author Erica Piedler outlines for her readers how to become change-ready leaders. Change-ready leaders are capable of embracing challenges with agility and optimism because they have the tools, models, and language to assess, structure, and facilitate solutions. Leadership is a skill that can be learned and practiced. Take the rigor challenge and ask yourself, do you want to lead mindfully and skillfully? Or do you want to subject your teams and organizations to your unstructured thoughts and approaches? The choice is yours. Will you rigor it? You can purchase Leadership Rigor on Amazon or by visiting ericpeedler.com.
0: All right, I am back with Emily Legas, founder and CEO of FedWell Pet Foods. So, all right, we were talking about scaling at the tail end of the, of the first half of the show. What are your plans? I mean, right now, I suspect that you're largely northeastern United States bound. I mean, is there plans plan to, to expand this country, right? What about international?
2: Yeah, you know, right now the retail reach is just in the New England area. We have a distributor here. But actually more than half of our sales come in online through our website at fedwell.com. And that's actually our biggest opportunity for growing the business and growing it very quickly. There's a lot of competition on the shelves all across the country. And online, we're really able to connect with people who are really passionate about the mission and the product, which has been a really great opportunity for us. With that said, we are looking for distribution in other key markets, so currently we're talking with a distributor in Southern California and another one in the Mid-Atlantic, and I expect that we'll be in stores in those regions this summer, which will be fantastic. We get tons of requests internationally, which is really exciting that this message resonates with other cultures and countries. Specifically, I get a lot of requests from Brazil and China that want to import the food. And while that's something I definitely would like to explore, there are, I know that there, there are a lot of, you know, just in terms of import and, and shipping and requirements for labeling, there are a lot of things that, you know, I would like to get into, but at this time, we really have to focus all our energy on the U.S. market.
0: Absolutely. Well, that's very exciting. I, I didn't realize the extent of the interest internationally on this. Uh, that's, uh, that's very, very encouraging. The I mean, it is a unique distribution model. I mean, we live in a different kind of time, right? I mean, uh, my wife and I probably get 80% of the product we consume d- uh, delivered to us th- through some sort of online distribution. I mean, it, it sounds like that's going to ultimately be a significant piece, if not a probably a heavy majority of, of your distribution. It sounds like right?
2: Yeah, what's interesting about this industry is 30 there's 30 billion dollars worth of pet food sold in the country every year and 99% of that currently is sold in retail channels. Wow. Um, only 1% is sold online which I think always shocks people because you know dog food is one of the few products that you know exactly how much you're going to need every single day right. it rarely changes and you know, It just is something that would lend itself so easily to an online delivery system, especially when you're thinking about big bags and the fact that you know exactly how much you need and when you need it. And I think the industry is trying to figure out how to grow this segment, and it is the fastest growing segment in the industry, but it's still very small. So we're certainly looking to you know, be at the forefront of the online distribution model for pet food.
0: Yeah, that's very very cool. So with regards to retail, I mean, are you looking to get uh, placed in the traditional grocery stores or are you are you more or less targeting the you know, the small boutique pet stores or both?
2: Yeah, well, right now and I I would assume this would be true for the next few years at least, our our real sweet spot is with the specialty right. independent pet stores. You know, these folks are really the gatekeepers and the connoisseurs of these specialty products and even just having the product in these boutique stores says a lot to consumers because these these goods have been curated and handpicked from these very knowledgeable experts. And the owners of these stores and the employees of these stores really understand the difference in the products that they're selling and the superiority of the products. And so it's a really great place for us to be to build relationships and to garner trust from consumers.
0: And I would suspect that the type of dog owner who buys food from a specialty independent store like that is probably more in line with the target market of who would buy a food like this. Because it, I mean, it's it's. I mean, you're not the discount brand here. I mean, uh, so I mean that, that's that, and that's what's so special about it. So to a, an independent pet store who's listening to this and they want to they want to learn about how they can uh, uh, put your stuff on their shelves how do they do that what's that process
2: Yeah. Well, the best thing to do would be to get in touch with me, and you can do that on our website at fedwell.com. We have a contact form there. We also sell all of our products online, but for stores specifically that are interested in carrying our product, the best thing to do would be to reach out to us and let us know what distributors you use because we're always looking to add the right distributors in, in great markets.
0: All right. Good stuff. All right. So let's talk about the product itself. Uh, You mentioned uh, he launched with the lamb kibble. I believe you have a chicken kibble now. So talk about that. It was really funny. We recently took our dogs, as I mentioned, we have just recently moved to uh, Chicago and we're going to see our new vet for the first time. And we mentioned this to him and we showed him the ingredients and his, his comment was, oh, I'd eat that. So that was <laughs> that was good news. Talk about the actual product itself. I mean, I think you have some plans and are doing some research on on expanding that product line, and and then I also want you to talk about testing because uh, the first question that our vet asked was, "Well, has this passed uh, all the appropriate testing? Is this something that the market can 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 be can trust in?" So walk us through some of those things.
2: Yeah. So right now we have a lamb recipe and we also have a chicken recipe. Those are sold in five 13 and 25 pound bags. We also have samples available on our site. We're also developing cat food. And as you know, cats are a little bit more picky than a lot of dogs. So we're working hard at finding the right combination of ingredients to satisfy cats. And we're also trying to work on a cricket-based dog food that would be a sustainable protein source for dogs, which would be a really great, exciting offering in the market.
0: Well, talk uh, more about the crickets, because uh, I had I had a, a, a weird reaction when you mentioned this pre-show, but you went walking me through why that is such an appealing protein source. Walk us through why.
2: Yeah, well, crickets from an environmental standpoint are a lot more sustainable than beef or chicken. They require a lot less water. You know, it's kind of hard to torture a cricket or or have an environment where a cricket isn't well treated because they basically just have these big fields that are caged in with crickets and they just kind of live their life until they get ground up into cricket flour. But they pack complete proteins really high amino acids, complete amino acid profile, great vitamins and minerals, you know, and they're very lean. It's a very lean protein. They don't have a lot of fat in them.
0: That's very cool. That is really cool. I would have in a million years not thought that that would have been the third protein out of of your offering. I mean, is the plan to keep your product listing pretty compact or or are you ultimately going to be selling 20 different varieties?
2: Yeah, well, I think it is important to – expand. You know, after we get these three recipes down, we'll probably look at offering different recipes for senior dogs, a puppy puppy recipe, and probably something for toy and small breeds who all have, you know, a little bit different requirements. I, I think in my mind it's with these recipes, we're building a solid base for all life stages because our foods are do meet the standards for all life stages, but we do want to branch out into these other little niches that will help provide nutrition for seniors, puppies, and toy breeds.
0: Yeah. Talk a little bit more about the testing that this has gone through.
2: Yeah, so our manufacturer operates on a positive release program, which means that our food doesn't even leave their facility until it comes back tested negative for salmonella. So that's from a food safety standpoint. But in terms of nutrition, our recipe is tested every time. And in fact, even before we go to production, anytime we make tweaks to the recipe, we run our recipe, we send it off to the lab, and we make sure that it tests for it all the AFCO profiles. So anyone who has a dog has probably seen on the back of their packaging that it says, you know, complete and balanced by AFCO recommendations. So AFCO sets, sets out these standards about what type of nutrients dogs need for certain life stages. And that includes, you know, amino acids, vitamins, minerals. And that's kind of the baseline of what dogs need to survive and thrive in this world. So our food, because we don't have any synthetic vitamins, you know, when these companies put in synthetic vitamins, it's basically assurance that they're going to hit all those profiles and they don't really have to think about what other ingredients are in their food. Mm. But for us, because our recipes are entirely food-based, we really have to make sure that every time our recipes are hitting and exceeding all those AFCO profiles. And so we do do rigorous testing, which is pretty expensive, but it is necessary because We want to make sure that we're providing those nutrients.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a a sensitive area, right? Like I said, I'm more concerned about my dog's health than I am my own. And and I'm I'm very finicky, and my wife especially is is very finicky about what we do and, and what we feed our animals. And that's why we're so excited about this. I mean, how do you break into that market? I mean, a dog owner who, who does care enough to think about the food that they're putting into their animal, they're they maybe very protective. I mean, how how's it been in terms of reaching out to this new market or this marketplace and, and convincing dog owners to, to try something very new?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I, I found that, you know, there are two different sides of the story that really resonate with people. One is my story. So when I share my story, if I'm able to do that either through a video or an article or an interview, you know, it's it's a story that people really resonate with because it's it's a hard one, you know, seeing your dog get really sick, having to provide a higher level quality of food for them to get better. You know, it's something that either a lot of people have gone through with their dogs in the past or don't want to have to go through. So that's, Part of it that really resonates with people that really helps me break through. The other part of it is just the ingredient label. So, when people compare the Fedwell ingredient label to what they're feeding their dogs, they realize that, you know, 60 to 70% of the ingredients on their current label, even if it's a premium food, those ingredients are synthetic, that they're not made from real food. So, just a simple ingredient label comparison often is enough for people to be willing to make the switch.
0: Well, like I said, our vet when he looked at your ingredients said, "Well, heck, I'd eat that." So, yeah, I mean that's that's it, it's. <laughs> I remember it. It a, a related story. My wife and I were going to make some food, and and she said, "We're going to make salsa," and I thought, "Oh, that's going to be such a complicated thing to make," because I was envisioning what I had seen and bought it in the store and looked at the ingredients, and there was a thousand ingredients. And when I realized that the ingredients for salsa was like three or four things, I thought, "Wait a minute!" She goes, "Yeah, well, see, we use real ingredients for ingredients, you know." And so that's the difference here. I mean, that, and that's so that's so amazing. And I, and I I suspect there's plenty of dog owners out there who their dogs have chronic issues, and they don't realize it's probably because of the food they're feeding them.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, certainly with a lot of chronic issues, the the food we feed doesn't help. You know, same right. same with humans. You know, you think right. about a lot of the foods we eat and how they contribute to our health
0: issues. Yeah, no, well, good stuff. Well, so what's next for uh, FedWell? I mean, what should we be expecting to see from you guys in the next uh, year, year and a half?
2: Yeah, well, definitely expanding our distribution market. It's a great way for us to connect with consumers and stores and connect with store owners, which is always really fun for us. So expanded distribution and retail. Online, we're really working on building out more of a community. So we're working on a lot of digital content. We're working on a forum-type atmosphere where consumers will be able to interact and talk with one another. And we'll be able to answer questions as well. We're expanding our subscription offerings. So right now we have a subscription offering, but we're working on even improving it more so that you could subscribe for our food to receive it on in a period of 14 to 60 days you can alternate the recipes you receive you know there will be some fun prizes in every box so that's something we're really looking forward to is really helping helping our consumers get access to our food online more easily.
0: Yeah, very exciting. Emily, we're about out of time. Before I let you go, a couple of things. How can people contact you should they have questions? And where can they learn more about FedWell? And most importantly, where can they get information on both local retailers, certainly at this time in the New England area, but also uh, online?
2: Well, there's a lot of information on our website, which is fedwell.com. That has a store locator that lists all the stores available. There's also a contact form to get in touch with us. Any questions can also be emailed to me at emily@fedwell.com. At yeah, and, and I'm always looking forward to talking to people with with feedback and questions.
0: All right. Emily Legas, founder and CEO of FedWell Pet Foods. Emily, great to have you. Thanks again for stopping by. I appreciate your important work here. And uh, as I said, we're, um, we're going to start in, integrating uh, FedWell into our dogs' diets, and so we'll let you know how they, how they respond to that.
2: Great. Well, thank you so much.
0: All right. All the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Emily Lagasse, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business.